Are Greg and Maya professional reviewers? Absolutely not. Like amateurs at best, but it's okay because they're funny, smart, and kind of adorable. Bless their hearts. So sit back, relax, and tune into this week's episode of All Cued Up. Binary Pals, welcome to All Queued Up, the review podcast tied to streaming services. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Rebel Moon Part 1, Child of Fire, South Park, Not Suitable for Children, Doctor Who, The Church on Ruby Road, and Episode 3 of Percy Jackson, which I don't remember the title of because I did not write it down. But first, I'm Greg, this is Maya. How's your week been? Well, I mean... It was Christmas. Yes, it was. Um, Misty and Madison really loved their gifts. They had a great time. Madison actually got me a gift. And she got, <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing I got. Uh, she got me this, uh, it's a, it's in the living room because it's not been brought in here and put on my desk yet. But it's a figure of Jim, the male from the Dark Crystal. Mm. He's like actually holding the Dark Crystal. It's from sculpted by Weta Workshops. It's a little figurine statue. <coughs> she, spent, she, she spent her last dime on it. She actually went into the comic shop and Brian, the owner, who's been a friend of mine since 1995, um, <coughs> She's like, this is $40. She's like, I don't know how much I have. And she pulled out two 20s. And he's like, well, hold on. And he gave her a discount and let her get nice. it. Nice. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then, of course, you know, Christmas gift to myself. I actually ordered some uh, miniatures and got them yesterday straight from Poland. They shipped pretty fast. Because I ordered them like Thursday or Friday, and they got here the day after Christmas from Poland. And they were only thirty bucks a piece, thirty-one dollars a piece. So they're pretty awesome. I can't wait to put them in my pile and build them eventually. Uh. Other than that, you know, watched mass amounts of football starting on Thursday night, uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Watched a lot of football spread out over those four days. I uh, enjoyed the outcomes of most every game. I was very – last week I squeaked into the playoffs of my fantasy football league that I've been in for years and years. And I was actually in seventh place, and I won big, and then catapulted myself three positions. Well, I was playing the top team of the league, and I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be close. And he had played all of his players but one. He had Josh Jacobs left to play. Well, 
I had two players left. I had Cortland Sutton for the Denver Broncos wide receiver, and I had Lamar Jackson. I was like, if this goes well, I'm going to win. Well, Cortland Sutton went out on the first drive of the Denver game, and he didn't play the rest of the game. He was out, so he netted me zero points. And then I was down 23 points, 25 points, something like that. Uh, It was like 88.9 points to 113.9. And then then they said Josh Jacobs was out, so he substituted and made a fucking – substitution he picked up a player he dropped a player and picked up a player like 10 minutes before game time and threw in fucking uh amir abdullah the raiders running back like their third running back and netted 2.2 points guess how many points i lost by 1.34 points (laughs) it sucks that sucked but, you know, I'm playing for third place at least. So, you know, I usually finish third or better in most of my fantasy leagues. Usually. <clears throat> it sucked, though. It's like, oh, man, if he hadn't put in, if he hadn't picked up Admir Abdullah, I would have been playing in the championship game this week. It's It's unfortunate. Uh, let's see other developments this week. Uh, completely entirely shunned and not acknowledged by my family once again. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, other than that, Misty's been working. Uh, Madison, you know, has been splitting time between here and my mother's. Uh, for the holidays, she helped her prepare like Christmas candies for several days beforehand, and then they did. Christmas Eve at my stepdad's mom's house. And then, you know, she came home that evening and we opened up Christmas presents. Uh, early Christmas morning, we woke up at like 4.45. And then Madison woke up at 5.15. And I was like, well, let's do this now. We've got coffee in us. Let's go. We're all awake. She's been bugging me every day for the past five weeks to open presents because I got my Christmas shopping done early. Like, I got 90% of it done before Thanksgiving and have had stuff sitting here since November 15th in boxes that needed to be unboxed and then reboxed and wrapped. You know, I don't want to wrap up Amazon boxes. Put them in smaller boxes, (laughs) then wrap them up. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we opened up everything. She was absolutely thrilled. I, uh, I, I got her. She's she she really enjoys listening to music. Her music, her musical taste is very eclectic. Like, you ask her her favorite bands. One of her top three favorite artists is Leonard Cohen, and another one is Connie Converse, who was a singer from like back in the fifties. And she listens to shit that sounds like it would like be right at home on a Fallout soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? It would seem yeah. to me that Madison's a little bit of a hipster. No, no, <clears throat> not at all. I, I, I refuse to acknowledge that <laughs> assessment. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, no, she's not an obnoxious hipster, but uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit there. Uh, she's just got a collective taste of music. She doesn't have flannel shirts or they suspenders. Call those people hipsters. No, because most people can really have eclectic taste in music and not be a hipster. That's just saying. It's, it's, not a, it's not a prerequisite. It's not a defining con- uh, uh, a trait. But, uh, you know, she likes some modern stuff, too. Um, and I asked her a few weeks ago, well, I asked her before Thanksgiving, I was like, name some artists that you like. One of them was Lana Del Rey. So I got her a couple of Lana Del Rey things, and then I let her have one gift early. Remember a couple of weeks ago, because she scored the top in her grade on her biology SOL test, her standard of learning test. And it was a Lana Del Rey canvas wall print. And she's like, oh. And I was like, oh, something's wrong. One of the things I had done, I had actually gotten her a Lana Del Rey record because I got a record player for her. Because she does have a lot of, of, and here you're going to go. She has a love of vintage things. And I wanted to give her a taste of something vintage that was tangible that she could appreciate. So I got her a record player. That doesn't make her a hipster. Um, I got her a record player and I got her the three albums. I got her, I got her, uh, a Lana Del Rey album, which I've since returned. Uh, a Mazzy Star album that has Fade Into You on it. Uh, I got her a Cowboy Bebop 2 album set. It's the Iron Edition. Uh, I don't know what tracks are on it, but, you know, it's a soundtrack to Cowboy Bebop, which she loves. And, uh, you know, one of the bands she told me that she really enjoys, that I also really enjoy, is Nirvana. So I replaced the Lana Del Rey with the MTV Unplugged Nirvana session. Uh, and she's just been absolutely enthralled. She's loving it. <clears throat> so I'm happy about that. She's given me a list of albums that she wants now. One thing I did put on pre order is the Scott Pilgrim Takes Off double album LP that is coming out at the end of April. She said she really wanted that. Yeah, yeah. And one of them that she wants is the actual movie soundtrack, so I'm going to pick that up for her, too. Uh, but, yeah, uh, she loved her gifts. You know, I got her some, got her and Misty some great stuff. They were all really happy with their things. And now it's over. And then this Saturday, we do our Christmas get together uh, at Misty's sister's house. Since we hosted Thanksgiving, she's hosting Christmas. And we're doing that Saturday. So hopefully that goes well. Uh, but yeah, that's... Other than that, watching football, playing video games, opening gifts, you know, being shunned by family. Uh, how's, how's your week been? <laughs> um, it was good. It was good. The, uh, leading up to, to, like, the Christmas weekend, um, we... Uh, we had plans to go to my brother, my brother's friend's house. His, his, his my brother's friend is named Zeus. He met him while truck driving, and uh, his wife Megan, and then Megan's mom, um, Debbie, and then their son uh, Christian. So the three mm-hmm. of us, were, or the four of us, were supposed to go over there and, and hang out with the four of them. 
uh that was that was on sunday the day before christmas um on saturday uh was actually a really good day because um we've been having a lot of trouble with my dad's dialysis a lot of yeah and we went and uh did a session we did a session friday it went really 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 well and then we went and did a session on Saturday, and it went super fucking well. So we were stoked. We were just like, this is awesome. Uh, we planned on watching a movie. We couldn't figure out which one. Like, I wanted to do the uh, that Nick Cage one that just came out. Um, it plays like an old man. Uh, the Retirement Plan. Which looks pretty fucking funny. Um but, like, my dad didn't want to watch that one. My mom didn't want to watch it. I was like, all right, fuck. I, I don't know. So I went and uh, I was trying to find something. And mom's like, just, just watch whatever you guys want because, you know, I don't have to watch it. And I'm like, all right. You know, if that's if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I'm not going to change that. So she uh, she sat in her room and we ended up watching Leo, the Adam Sandler animated movie, which honestly isn't bad. You just have to deal with occasional like shit jokes, but overall oh, the story is pretty good. Like the plot of the of it is that uh, Leo, played by Adam Sandler, and um, uh, Squirtle, played by like I straight up just took the word Squirtle, didn't even change it a little bit. But that's the that's the turtle that uh, Bill Burr plays, yeah. and because turtles and and this particular type of lizard live to be like fucking 100 200 somewhere in there mm-hmm. they've been at this school for decades and because they've been at this school they've learned to talk okay and uh but they hide it because they know that that the humans won't accept it um so when uh when the, when the regular teacher is pregnant and has to go for a while a, pr- or a substitute comes in and she's a complete cunt and um uh, she forces the students to take one of the two tur- like the turtle or the I don't remember this. It's a type of fucking iguana. I don't remember the name of it though. Um, she forces what the students one of the students to take one of them home, and it goes home with this girl who's uh, she just talks too much, and so end up he ends up talking to her not like she she learns that he can speak, and through that conversation she kind of teach uh, he teaches her about like how to make friends and, and just to kind of be a better listener and all this kind of stuff. And because of that, when she goes to school, she's, you know, she's better for it. Mm-hmm. So Leo figures out like, I'm going to die soon because some like people were at a parent teacher conference thing and they were like, Oh, that's one of those types of lizards. They live to be about 75. And he's like, I'm 74. Holy shit. I got to put my, I got to lay my wisdom out on these kids. And so that's a good crux of the movie, a good crux, a good chunk of the movie. But, yeah. Um, uh, the rest of the plot kind of goes different locations, but it's 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 a heartwarming type of movie. So it's not bad. Um, that's a, that's much I'll say about it. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, but before we watch that movie. 
we were all excited. We were getting everything together. We were going to watch, or we were going to uh, uh, just have dinner, hang out, watch a movie. Um, my dad ends up slipping in the shower and falling. Luckily, he has these handles, so he just kind of slowly slid on those ass. Yeah. It was like me and my brother and my mom trying to get my naked father off of the ground. And because my dad's been doing dialysis and all sorts of other things, his muscles have atrophied quite significantly. Yeah. Um, and so he can't pull himself off the ground. We had to, it was a whole fucking process, but it was, it was, it was quite a bit. But, uh, when we finally got him off the ground, you know, he, it was, it was fine. But, uh, um, we were all pretty sore going into, uh, the, you know, the Sunday of Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, right before we watched the movie, though, like I came out of my room, I had a drink and, I'm just sitting on the couch, just waiting to watch Leo and dad's in the kitchen and my mom comes out of her room and I hear Jeff and I hear like paper crinkling. I'm like, the hell? Oh, he's probably, he probably bought more gifts for Christian because he bought like three gifts for Christian and he sets them on the table in front of me and he goes, Merry Christmas. I was like, what? And he goes, mom, dad and I went together and we got this for you. It was two, it was like a box. And then there was like, obviously something uh, fabric-y. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why did y'all get me this? Like, I don't fucking deserve this. And my mom's like, shut the fuck up. Yes, you do. You do so much for us. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do, though. Like, I don't... I didn't do anything to deserve this. And Dad's like, literally, you help me stay alive on a constant basis. What do you mean you don't deserve this? And Jeff goes, would you just fucking open it and stop trying to act like you're all humble and shit. <laughs> like, I'm not, dude. I just, I have nothing for anybody else. And mom's like, yeah, because that's what we wanted. We wanted you to gift us things. I'm like, all right, I'll just open the fucking gifts. Um, it was uh, two 49er hats and a uh, 49, 49er sweatshirt, a hoodie with a. Uh, uh, Debo Samuel's name and back number on the back. Yeah, which is dope. Yeah, yeah, you showed me the video of you opening the stuff. I guess Jeff was filming it. Uh, yeah, it was from his perspective. Yeah, because mom's filming was <clears throat> atrocious at best. I love my parents. Yeah, it was pretty it awesome. To, um, Technology. Yeah, not, they don't. <laughs> I was in no way, shape, or form expecting it. And <clears throat> I, I Those still are the best kind like of I, things. What's that? Those are the best kind of gifts. True. Things that you really will enjoy and use uh, that hit you out of nowhere, you know, like a surprise. Here you go. Got this. Thinking of you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just wish I had something to get them, you know. Dude, I understand that. You know, Misty, because of the way her work's been the past few weeks, uh... And with the hot water heater and, you know. Oh, did I tell you about that? Yeah, you told me. Oh, okay. Uh, she just didn't get to go Christmas shopping at all. Um, so she didn't get me anything. She's like, I'm not going to be able to get you anything. I was like, honey, do I look like I give a fuck? If I want anything, I buy myself it. I don't hesitate. I just get it. It's like, throw it in the cart. Here's my address. There's my credit card number. 
fucking ship. That's I'm the same way. Like I'll go into Walmart and just go through the toy aisle, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a fucking cool toy for thirteen dollars. So I get you. But you know, it, it it it's it's nice. It's nice that I know that they're thinking of me. And even though we just struggled to get my dad off the bathroom floor, it was like, oh boy. <laughs> um, but uh, so that was that day. And then and then you know, Sunday, do you enjoy nuts on your Sundays? I do enjoy nuts on my Sundays. Not to that degree. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Uh, we uh, yeah, we went to, went to Zeus's house. We had a good time there. There was a there was a small situation with Family Feud where Jeff got a little drunk, and I was reading off questions, and we were playing literal Family Feud. Like it was my dad and Jeff versus uh, Zeus and Megan. You know, because my mom, because the moms of the house, the older moms of the house, did not want to play. But I'm hosting it, right? I have all the answers on my thing, and I'm making the judgment calls on what makes sense to that context, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's just he's just losing his mind because some of the answers don't make sense. And the rest of the fucking house is like, how does that not make sense, Jeff? That makes perfect fucking sense. And... Uh, um. There was like the third time he got angry. I was like, I'm ending it. And that like put a huge damper on the night, um, which he then the next day when he came home, because he stayed the night there and then watched. Uh, or no, he just stayed the night there to, to open gifts in the morning with them. Oh, okay. And because uh, he wanted to see Christian open his gifts, you know, that whole thing. Well, yeah. Um, but. Uh, um, he came home and he was just like, Hey, I just so you know, I'm not mad. I just got drunk and then was just like kind of frustrated with the answers. And, and I said, well, to be honest with you, Jeff, I didn't think anything of it, that, but that's why I ended it because it was like every, every time there was one that didn't make any sense to you or you didn't quite agree with it became, it became a problem. And he goes, yeah, it was, it was a good call to end it there. I just, I was not doing it. And I was like, that's, I get it. I'm not, I'm not upset at you. I'm just saying like, I didn't end it because I was mad. I ended it because it was the good, it was the right call in the moment. And, uh, um, but then I also said to him, I was like, if I was upset with you, or if I knew that you were continually upset with me, we wouldn't have played Jenga at the end of the night <laughs> before we left. He was like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, then that, that then that Monday on Christmas Day was a great day for the Raiders. I'll say yeah, that much. I was fucking pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, it just I wanted it like I was I was hoping so hard that the Raiders were going to win just so I could kind of just rub it in your face a little bit. <laughs> I'm fine when I'm proven wrong. In <laughs> fact, when it comes to the Raiders. You know, I'm glad to be proven wrong because so much bad has happened this season uh, since, you know, the end of last season, the start of this season. Like, how do you fucking bring in that chump 
fucking who was run out of Denver. You should have known then he was run out of Denver <clears throat> uh, to be your head coach, and he tries to instill the Patriot way. Yeah, the Patriots of all fucking teams who the Raiders despise because of the Tuck Rule. Uh, you know, I know that because the Raiders fans won't shut the fuck up about it. Well, they shouldn't. Always remember the Tuck Rule. How it was horrible. I'm not saying I'm not saying you guys aren't justified in calling it horrible or being frustrated by it. Uh, my point is like maybe you don't have to bring it up as often as you do. You know? That's the first time I brought up the Tuck Rule all season. Thank you very fucking much. Yeah, I know six Raiders fans and it's, exclusively. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but this is in context. Um, hello, you know, because the coach was the offensive coordinator of the Patriots for like a decade. And they're like, oh, we're going to instill the Patriot way here. The fuck you are. I don't know. Based on the way the Patriots are playing this season, I guess he did. You know. Cause... What was funny about that Raider game, by the way, was that I I knew that my parents were going to be watching it on um, Hulu. And that my brother in California was going to be watching it on Hulu. So I was like, shit, like, I'm not going to have an access to Hulu trying to watch this game. So I used... Thankfully, your YouTube TV. And, oh, it was on Hulu too? Yeah, cause, well, I mean, it was broadcast regular TV because there was only three games that day. And uh, it was um, Raiders. What did they fucking beat? Why am I drawing a blink on that? It was the Raiders and the Chiefs, Chiefs. Eagles and the Giants, and then at 8 o'clock was the Niner and the fucking... Yeah. It was only those three days, those three games on Christmas Day, and three different stations had it. So it was, uh, it was CBS for the Raider game, ABC, uh, ABC Fox for the, for the Giants, Fox for the Giants and Eagles, because it was the four o'clock game. That's right, because it was ABC for the night for the Raider game or the Forty Nine er game because it was also on ESPN Plus. That's right. Anyway, because that was the Monday Night Football game. Right. I was going to say three stations, three games every game was watchable pretty easily and um but the problem is is we only have three accesses to our hulu tv account so i couldn't watch it on in my room i'd have to watch it with them but i was like i wanted to watch i wanted to watch other things that were on twitch and whatnot because people were doing christmas stuff and i was like i want to see that especially the Djibouti guys but i was like fuck it if i have an access to a channel which again thank you um you're welcome. I wanted to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. <laughs> because it was, and it wasn't funny because it was funny. It was funny because it wasn't funny. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're trying, they're trying too hard to appeal to kids. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, kids don't care about that stuff. But the funniest thing to me was that it was very Ninja Turtle centric. But current turtles, like the new movie turtles, mm-hmm. and uh, which is going to be getting their own show on Nickelodeon, and uh, they had the kid there who does the voice of Raphael in the new movie, and they had him in a full green screen suit with like a face uh, uh, capture thing, um, and uh, he's sitting with the fucking other two guys that are doing the commentary, and uh, the. 
funniest thing to me was they asked Raph, they go, Hey Raph, so, so uh, which team are you going for in this, in this game? And he was like, well, if I'm being honest, I think that the chiefs are going to win, but I like the Raiders a lot. I've been, I've been rooting for him for a long time. And I was like, Oh shit. Raph's a Raiders fan, huh? <laughs> Makes fucking sense. <laughs> um, I mean, he is the best turtle. So he is going to follow the best football the team. Up. Uh, so here's the funny part. Um, the part that makes me laugh. Uh, there were only two turtles. They got voice lines this entire thing. The first one is Raphael. He was there. You know, the kid was there. Um, or at least in the studio because it was all green screen. Uh, but the other one was Donatella. So every time they kick a field goal, you saw Leonardo's face. And if it was good, it was a thumbs up. If it was bad, it was thumbs down. If a, if a field goal happened, there were two uh, slime cannons. If a touchdown happened, there were four slime cannons. Um, if uh, um, if something happened in the game, like a ref called a penalty or something like that, or if there was like a rule that maybe people didn't know, that's when Donatello came out and explained the rules. Uh, on occasion, you could see Mikey fucking using a, a t-shirt cannon to throw pizzas in the crowd. And I'm like, guys, we get it. You own the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Technically, Viacom owns the Ninja Turtles, but... I mean... Is Paramount? Yeah, but... I was like, who owns Nickelodeon... Nickelodeon owns the Ninja Turtles and Paramount owns Nickelodeon. So Paramount's the parent company, but Nickelode- Nickelodeon is the direct owner. Well, that's what I was saying, because I know that Viacom bought Nickelodeon <clears throat> years ago. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was Paramount that bought Viacom or Viacom that bought Paramount. I think it's Viacom that bought Paramount. I'm not that's sure. Thinking, but anyway... The point I'm getting at is it was it was pretty entertaining and it was cracking me up because Raph would keep saying things that were very Raider centric when he when he basically was like he used the quote of uh, "just win, baby." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Damn, oh, this kid knows a little bit more than you thought." But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was a fun game to watch. You know, we've been talking for 30 minutes about our Sunday, so uh, and I want to move past the fact that the Niners played like absolute dog shit on Sunday. Um. Or Monday night. I just needed fucking one more first down from Lamar Jackson. I'm still sad about that. I needed one more first down from Lamar Jackson. I've been playing in the championship. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. It's a local fucking football league. It's with a bunch of guys from uh, a, a former high school that's no longer here in this county. But, you know, it's guys from the next town over, a bunch of them. And it's been called the Manly Cup since its fucking enshrinement. I have never won the Manly Cup, but I've placed second and third place the past two years in a row. And I was wanting to win the Manly Cup, so they would have to change the name of it this year. (laughs) And I was 1.34 points away from doing so. That's pretty funny, actually. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. It's not like ruined my life or anything. No, it's just you know, it's of course, disappointment. It's but it was a fun football. season. If you took yeah. football that seriously, I I don't think I would talk to you very much because you'd be that type of person. But you're not that type of person. So yes, thank you. Wanting to win versus like being fucking super angry that you didn't or um like losing your fucking mind. I'm like, I don't talk to this person. I mean, I was watching the fucking score on the fucking app every fucking time the Ravens had the ball. And I was like, okay, how am I going to increase this time? Okay, Lamar just ran for this 31-yard play. And I was like, yes, that got me like five fucking points. I was like, oh, shit, he threw a touchdown. Oh, shit, they got the ball back. He threw another touchdown. And then I was like, I'm just a point and something away. And he never did anything again. I was like, fourth quarter the whole time, I was like, uh-oh. They're going to get the ball back. And the they've Niners- got a comfortable lead. He's just going to hand it off left and right. They're not going to be in passing situations. You would have won if the Niners played better, only due to the fact that Lamar Jackson would have been in the game longer. Yeah, if Brock Purdy hadn't fucking been benched and they hadn't put in Sam Darnold and he put the little fucking fourth quarter razzle-dazzle on him. (laughs) I was like, son of a bitch, man. (laughs) I mean, that game was frustrating to watch. Like, it was just like the the Niners were playing like absolute dog shit. It was it was. They did play bad. That was Purdy's worst game of his career. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Like... You know, I see a lot of Niners fans just being like, oh, man, the, the Ravens are so good. And, you know, coming to all these fucking excuses. And I'm like, it ain't no excuse. The Niners played poorly. Brock Purdy played poorly. That's as simple as it gets. If Brock played like that whole the, that that way the whole season, we wouldn't be the best team in the NFL right now. They're, they're second best. Excuse me? The Ravens are 12 and th- or twelve and 3. Or, the, the the Ravens are a game better because they didn't they both have the same record at eleven and four. The Ravens are twelve and four, and now the Broncos are or the Broncos Niners are. Anyway, I'm sorry. You're, you're right. I don't like it. Not that it sucks. It like sucks. It. I mean, hey, hey, look, I'm in the, I'm in love with a team that's seven and eight right now and has a fringe chance of actually making the playoffs. Dude, it's and crazy. even. In, an even more French chance of still winning their division because the Chiefs lost. Yeah. Like I was talking to my mom about that. I was like, I was like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you guys could you guys could make to the to the wild card. And she was like, How could that happen? I was like, Well Well, well that's the thing. Russell Wilson just got benched today for the rest of the season. The two games remaining uh, oh wait, Denver is not playing the Raiders again. We've already played them a second time. We're playing Indianapolis this week, so we got Gardner Minshew. Indianapolis hasn't been playing all that well, right. but then there's the fucking uh, no, it is the Denver Denver game, the last game of the season. So you know, they benched Russell Wilson today. Guess who they're fucking playing? I that Jarrett Stidham guy, the guy that was Carr's backup that they played the last two weeks of the season last oh, year. Shit. 
that's who the Raiders are facing on the last the week of the season. You really fucking they're very they're very winnable, especially the way the defense has been playing. Yeah. Problem is the quarterback's a rookie and he does just enough to not lose. Here's the thing. I think that the Raiders need to make the wild card for two major reasons. You guys need I don't remember the guys that your guys' uh, head coach, interim head coach right now. Antonio Pierce, he's Antonio great. Antonio Pierce. You guys need him next season. A thousand percent. Oh, yes. And the and the best way to do that is by winning all three games and making the wild card. Um, because I'll tell you what, like, uh, fucking Lloyd Christmas is your guys' owner needs to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I think he's learned his lesson after not hiring Rich Bisaccia after the making the playoffs a year and a half ago. Yeah. Almost two years ago. But, uh, yeah, fuck that. Mm. I just, like I said, I may be a Niner fan, but I'm also not an idiot. And to, to root against the Niners as a Raiders fan or vice versa is fucking bizarre to me. Because you only do that if they meet in the Super Bowl. That's the only time it makes 100%. logical sense to do that. The preseason is for fun. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. They never meet in the fucking regular season. And if they do, I'm not rooting for the fucking Raiders. Uh, and vice versa for you. But I Well, if, if McDaniels had still been the head coach and the Raiders did play the 49ers, I would be a 49ers fan for that game. <laughs> but if, they got rid of that son of a bitch, so... I'll, I'll let me let me put it this way, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. If the Raiders made it to the Super Bowl with McDaniel's, I don't think for a second any of y'all would hate McDaniel's like you do. <laughs> I would. I would because that would mean the Patriot Way was working. I right, fair. That's fair. Hey, I recognize. I re- I recognize when I don't make sense uh, on things. Like, you know, I absolutely could not stand, what was it? Uh, Something we watched recently, I couldn't stand it. But I still gave it a decent grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Barbie and uh, Scott Pilgrim. Takes off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't like them. They weren't for me. Couldn't stand them. But they're made well. See, that's the thing. I, that's what I find funny about you not liking Barbie is I'm like, the, that movie made fun of itself. It made fun of Barbie as a whole. But you're like, not for me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But you know what we should do, though, is we should do what this podcast is meant for and review things because we are. Uh, We've been reviewing football for 30, <laughs> goddamn minutes in this fucker. 38 minutes. I was like, we have a movie to destroy. We have. Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and let you know. Rebel Moon fucking sucks. Yeah, neither of us liked it. There are things I will say good about it because there's no way in hell I am that type of reviewer that won't bring up the good stuff about what I don't like. So we will go into that. Um, but if you want to give a synopsis of a plot that made no fucking sense to begin with, all right, here's a quick rundown of Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire. Part one, A Child of Fire. Ugh. Title made no fucking sense. <laughs> so it opens up with exposition, talking about the mother world. 
Uh, here's the plot. The mother world is the militaristic empire of its galaxy, fueled by centuries of conquest and war through soldiers under its infantry, the Imperium. The current king welcomes a daughter, Princess Issa, who possesses a rare gift of healing and resurrection. Her power is taken as a sign of redemption for the mother world as the royal family has grown weary of conflict and hopes that Issa will unify the empire not through force but through compassion. Instead, the family is publicly assassinated during her coronation, and Balisarius, a prominent senator, declares himself regent and renews the emperor's con- empire's conquests with the support of Admiral Atticus Noble, a sadistic military leader. That's pretty much a rundown of the opening sentences of the movie. And then we see a penis ship come through a vagina portal. No, no, we don't see the penis ships come through the vagina portal. We see a ship come through the vagina portal, but the penis ships come later. Well, it was very phallic. I'm not saying it wasn't like that. That portal opened up like a fucking blossoming vagina. And then those penis ships were straight up fucking dildos with rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cut. I will say this: the sh- design of the penis ships aside, the special effects were okay. Yes, but the movie was it's pretty. It's pretty set design, costume design, location. Everything looks good. If it's very high appealing, that's the one good thing I can say about this movie. That's honestly it. Like, it's a very pretty movie. It, it, it's, you know, credit where credit's due. The CGI is finished. It's complete. It doesn't look half done. The uh, the costumes and the uh, the practical effects look really fucking good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, fucking uh, Netflix spared no expense. They, they allowed Zach and, and his team to do what they wanted to do. In regards to and that. that's the bad thing. They allowed Zach and his team to do what they wanted to do because this movie uh, began as a failed pitch to Lucasfilm years ago. And they, he was like, yeah, this is my Star Wars story. And they're like, no, 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 just be gone, be gone. And he shopped it around and everybody turned it down. But Netflix said, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. You've you know, got a big fan base. Yeah, this is probably what they were thinking. You've got a big fan base. You'll get eyes on our product. Get new subscribers. Uh, you know, get a lot of views. And love him or hate him, Zack Snyder is like CM Punk. Uh-huh. He get <laughs> he he gets people talking and he gets eyes on the product. I'm glad you recognize that because that was exactly my comparison. <laughs> Now, like I said, I recognize greatness. I also recognize not greatness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I could admit it. You know, Zack Snyder has a fan base, the Snyder Bros. And they have been so adamant the past six days since this movie came out that it's good. It's not good. No. It's bad. Okay, here's a quick rundown. On the independent moon of Velt, Noble and his men, that's, that's, you know, the admiral had, uh, you know, for anybody that forgot, because I already had, 
Uh, Noble and his men arrive and insist that Father Sindri, a local village chieftain, sell them grain to replenish their food stocks as they hunt for a band of rebels led by the Blood Axes. Gunner, who I just couldn't see as anybody but Stephen Crane because I just recently watched, you know, The Haunting of Hill House just about a month ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gunner, an ambitious farmer, disagrees with Cinder's refusal to deal with Noble. The Admiral then beats Cindy to death and orders Gunner to prepare all the village's grain before he returns in ten weeks. One of the villagers, Cora, packs her things to leave, but when she sees Imperium soldiers attempting to rape Sam, a young woman, she, along with Private Aris, an Imperium soldier, who is disheartened by the practices of his superiors, confronts and kills them. Cora tells the villagers that Noble will massacre the village once he returns and gets what he wants. She recruits Gunner, who has a source that can reach the Blood Axe Rebellion, so they can recruit them for their cause of fighting Noble. During their journey, she reveals to Gunner that she once served the Imperium as a soldier, having been taken and brought up by Belisarius, who killed her family and destroyed her home planet. The next day, Cora and Gunner depart for the port city of Providence, a nearby port town, to assemble a band of warriors to defeat Velt, to, to, to defend Velt against Noble's fleet. They first recruit Kai, a smuggler and criminal. He takes them to two additional warriors, Tarek, a tamer of beasts, and Nemesis, a talented cyborg swordswoman. Kor ventures with the team to a remote moon to recruit, Tata, to recruit Titus, a disgraced Imperium commander, reduced to prize fighting. Gunner learns that Kor, Gunner learns from Cora that she feels a sense of guilt for Issa's death as she once served the princess as the princess's bodyguard. Wanna <clears throat> now that took me about a minute and a half to read. It didn't take much longer than that in the movie for them to blatantly rip off Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Star Wars, and uh, you know I'm sorry, but Titus. Did he not agree just way too easy not to, you know, to just come along with these people? Like, here's this drunk, here's this guy, he's drunk, he's fucking just like, uh, he's like, we're going to do this. Okay. Hey, have you ever thought of revenge? And he's like, sign me up. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Ugh. It, one of the biggest problems that I have with the plot of this film is that it's it's clear they're trying to rip off of either... Um. Uh, what's it called? One hundred blank. Um, Rebel One or Solo specifically. Um, Rogue yeah. One. Did I say Rogue One? What did I say? You said Rebel One. I knew I was getting it wrong. Um, yeah, Rogue One or or Solo because a lot of the plot points are extremely fucking similar, and that had to have been why he was laughed out of the fucking room with Lucasfilm. Like you're just taking what art what it's already been done, and uh, here's the thing though, if I'm not mistaken, his failed his failed pitch to Lucasfilm was before Disney bought the company. Oh, I don't fucking know, but I think anyway. It's just it's just it's 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 so obvious to me that there are so many plot points, and then in his mind, in his mind. He does it with such mediocrity that changing how something looks like let's I don't know if you've gotten to that point yet, probably not, but the fight scene with the giant spider lady. I'm getting ready to talk about well we didn't even talk about the fight scene. 
just that they recruited the cyborg swordswoman Cora or Cora uh, Nemesis. Yeah, I thought you mentioned it, um, just vaguely. Uh, but my problem with that scene wasn't that it didn't look cool. It was we have lightsabers, but not lightsabers. Uh, mm-hmm. This fight scene could be three minutes long, which would be fucking rad, but it's going to be fucking eight minutes because we're going to use so much slow motion that it becomes numbing. And that is my biggest problem with one of my biggest problems with Zack Snyder's directorial style, his excessive, insistent use on slow motion when no one's talking. If if there's not dialogue happening, there's slow motion happening. Yeah, and it's fucking ridiculous. It, the the slow motion is 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 bad to the point where. He uses it to make things look really fucking cool. I recently watched, we, we both watched, um, uh, oh no, you haven't seen it yet. In the new, and today, of, as of recording this uh, What If episode, there's a scene with some slow motion. And it got me thinking immediately, like, this shot is cool because there was build up to the slow motion shot. There was build yeah. up a necessary uh, uh, slow motion to get to what the producer or the writer or the fucking cinematographer of the episode was trying to convey. Like it's um, if you use slow motion for a shot of like them running in into cover and getting shot by lasers, why? Why do that shot? I don't need a slow motion shot of a character pulling out a weapon. It's so fucking unnecessary. And that happens so much in this fucking movie. I don't get why. Yeah. So let's see. uh, Picking up. uh, Knowing that they cannot defend against noble ship, the King's Gaze, the warriors use Gunner's previous dealings with the Blood X Rebellion to meet with their leaders, siblings Darian and Devra, and request the use of their starfighters. Darian and half of the clan agree to help, but Devra, who considers such a fight hopeless and a waste of their resources, retreats with the other half to safety. Under the pretense of offloading the last of his illicit goods to start a new life, Kai takes the group to a trading post, but captures them as noble ship arrives, revealing he had always intended to betray them for the bounties on their heads, and it was obvious from the get-go. Um... Noble reveals Cora's true name is Arthalaeus. Gunner kills Kai and frees the group, and Darian and many of his troops are killed. Cora fights Noble, throwing him off the post's high platform, and the surviving warriors return to Velt together, heavily injured but alive. Noble is recovered by Motherworld forces and revived after having spoken on the astral plane with Balisarius, who demands that Noble end the insurgency against him and bring Cora to him alive so he can execute herself. End part one. It was rough. It was a rough watch, y'all. It was very rough watch. And I started it at 10 after 10 on Thursday night. So I didn't have any choice but to watch it then. Uh, I was like, okay, it's two hours and 15 minutes long as the runtime. I'm going to watch it and I have to watch it tonight. Because there was no way in hell I was going to taint my Friday with any Rebel Moon trash after getting halfway through it. I was like, no, I'm powering through this motherfucker. I'm going to finish it. Good God, this is a piece of shit. The dialogue is fucking atrocious. The fucking plot beats make no sense the way they were strung together. 
it's like not only is it half a movie, it's like half of that half a movie because apparently he's already revealed that there will be a Snyder cut of both movies together. Three and a half, almost four hours. Over four hours because this was two hours and 15 minutes. Oh no, he, I thought he revealed that it was like, like three hours and 48 minutes or something like that was, was his, his director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> but That's what I thought he said anyway. It's, 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 eh. honestly, like I, I watched it in parts because I, there was no, like that dialogue was so fucking awful. It was. It really was. I've talked about ad nauseum B movies versus like good movies, right? Or or like movies that B movies to me are super fun because they're made in earnest, but they're so bad that they become entertaining stuff that you would see on Mr. Science Theater Um, or that I would see at TFO when I was living in Sacramento. Uh, The problem with this movie is that the visuals are so damn good the cinematography is really solid outside of the fucking slow motion um, mm-hmm. that I can't fault it for that stuff. But like, if you took all that out, made it like kind of cheesy with this dialogue straight into the bargain bin type of B movie. And unfortunately you're going to have a lot of the Snyder bros like this movie's great. This movie's awesome. Or direct writer director who thinks that they're good because they made one really good movie, um, fucking defend it. And I normally wouldn't have watched this if I didn't think it'd be entertaining for the podcast, if I'm being honest with our, with our listeners. But it is, it is one of those plots that is so predictable. You almost see the end of the whole movie 30 minutes in. It is wild how predictable it is. There's, you know, there's movies where you're like, you see it coming 20 minutes ahead, 15 minutes ahead. Hell, 30 minutes ahead if it's really bad. I saw the final scene in my head before it happened. And I'm talking like more than halfway through the movie. I was like, it's leading up to a big like capture and escape fight. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be explosions and shit in slow motion. Like I fucking saw it. Not only were they captured way too easily and fooled by Charlie Hunnam's character, Kai, but they got away way too easily. I mean, of course they did. Because it was just so convenient. Paint by numbers, fucking connect the dots, fucking this is going to happen. And then we're going to use slow-mo to make it happen. Dude. I'm telling you right now, he uses slow mo like a fucking uh, anime uses filler episodes. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no way that that movie with with without the slow mo is more than an hour thirty minutes. Hell, if you took out some of the absolute shitty dialogue and kind of speeded sped things up, it'd be an hour long. It's fucking insane! Insane that that movie is getting the reviews it's getting. And the worst part, Maya, and we're we're guilty of this too. It is making, like, it, it, there, it is one of the highest watched things on Netflix in years. Since probably the last episode, last season of Stranger Things last year. Yeah, it's, um, 
It was 13 million views on day one, which is <laughs> insane. You know what else had over 13 million views uh, in the first week of being out? What's that? Percy Jackson, the first two episodes. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. That was not the stat. That was the stat for Percy Jackson. My bad. Netflix, do, Netflix doesn't put out stats. No, they don't. Well, I do know that it was one of the highest things on Netflix to be watched because that was reported on. I just yeah, I don't yeah. remember, and I think I was just conflating things. But anyway, regardless, guys. That's okay. Maya, what rating would you give this movie? Uh, honestly, the only thing that keeps me from giving it an F is how good it looks, like, visually. But I'm going to have given it an F anyway. Fuck it. It's terrible. I'm giving it a D, um, because it is a very pretty film. If I, if I, there's a couple shots in it that if you could make into a wallpaper, I think would look really good. I don't disagree. It's a gorgeous film. I just think it is so atrocious that I can't give it a not failing grade. Oh, the D's a failing grade? Are you kidding me? D's not passing at all. C minus is barely passing. In school. I'm talking about in school. Yeah, in school, D is a passing grade. No? Yes, it is. If we're going by 100% and A plus is 100%, you go all the way down to a C minus, and that fucker's like just above fifty percent. D is. That's a dude. I think the grading system where you are is vastly different from where I am. I was going in general. Uh, passing grade. Oh, a D is a passing grade. Okay, well, shit. Yeah, D's always been a passing grade. But yeah, it's it's regardless, it's bad. If that's it's the case, really bad. Is D minus a passing grade in high school? Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And I think the average of that used to be a seventy, but I think it's sixty-five now. Is the way they grade it. But regardless, a D minus is a passing grade. Well, I, like I said, I'm going to give it a D minus because I think that the visuals are good enough to give it a passing grade, but fucking barely. Because I don't want to knock the, the 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 people who worked hard on making this movie look really good. Like if I showed you that shot of a fucking android robot in a giant field watching star, spaceships fly away with antlers on its head and like blowing, you'd be like, "What the fuck is that? I got to know what that is because that looks great." Voiced by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> he phoned that shit in. God damn that he phoned that shit in. I'd say that was but, a, that was one of the things that drove me nuts most about the movie was like his that character made absolutely zero sense. But, but Jimmy's a mystical knight. He's the last of his line. He's noble. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's fucking garbage. And no, no discredit to anyone who worked hard and believed in this, but you know, it looks pretty. That's all I can say. It's bad. It's bad. It's a flash in the pan and more than a flash in the pan, dude, with the Snyder bros, way more than a flash. Oh, I mean, the Snyder bros are going to keep it going strong, but what I'm saying is it's literally flashy. 
Yeah. And, and it's just, that's all it has going for it. I don't disagree. It is, but anyway. It's, it's that, uh, that, that hot girl that has, like, no fucking intellect. Uh, all yeah, beauty yeah. and brains. Well, we've beaten this dead horse enough. Yeah, we're, yeah we got it. We got Should you watch here. Rebel Moon? No. Are we going to watch Rebel Moon Part 2? Unfortunately. <laughs> but we're doing it for you. <laughs> Let us know in the comments what you thought of the movie. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? What did you like? What did you dislike? Do you agree with me and Greg? Do you not? That's fine if you disagree with us. We still love you. We just want you to come back every week like you do. All right. Enough of that. Uh, South Park. Not suitable for children. Which is funny because I watched this with my daughter. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. She's 16. She's old enough. I mean, yeah, uh, it's not it's not about her not being old enough. It's more about that level of comfortability with that with what what was in the episode. It was, well, it, it surprised both of us and I was like, fuck it, she's already here. <laughs> you know. Uh but yeah. Uh Eric Cartman starts his day drinking a bottle of cred hydration drink. PC principal and strong woman I guess is one of the wanna, teachers. Want to let the audience know if you haven't seen it. Cred Energy Drink is a parody of Prime. It looks identical with the the labeling and the bottle type. It's it's parodying Prime. All right. PC principal and strong woman discuss how social media influencers are peddling this drink to kids when Mr. Mackey tells them that the art teacher has been discovered posting videos of on OnlyFans at a parent teacher meeting. Parents are outraged, claiming their children will be able to watch the videos. When Clyde Donovan's father, Roger, and stepmother, Janice, attempt to explain double penetration to him, Clyde retorts that his school life is in shambles because he doesn't have any cred. Even though he's been claiming at school that he drinks cred, Clyde watches a video of his favorite influencer, Logan LaDouche, trying to boost his confidence, but Logan is just promoting cred. Much so, to Clyde's annoyance. South Park writers um, love the episode. Too much was a bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the Logan Paul character was... They could have used anybody, but it was it was funny. Oh, it was funny. Uh, it was just like, like calling it cred, calling him Logan LaDouche. I was like, guys, I said you'd be more creative than that. <laughs> Cartman, Tweak, Cartman, Tweak, and Butters invite Clyde into their affinity group for cred drinkers, but exclude everyone else. Clyde purchases an empty cred bottle, which he fills with apple juice, but the entire group is shunned when his fake drink is discovered. Clyde, Butters, Tweak, and Cartman travel to a CVS pharmacy in Pueblo, Colorado, to purchase a limited edition super cred, but a mob of kids, a mob of kids causes a riot. Clyde realizes that the group's all been manipulated by influencers and they agree to find Logan who explains to the kids that he's being used by a higher power to influence people. As he's about to reveal his true sponsor, he is assassinated. Uh, meanwhile, Randy, Stan's dad, Randy Marsh, begins making OnlyFans videos by posing himself naked from the waist down, but Sharon disapproves. 
When he fails to gain followers, Sharon challenges that she can make a better page than Randy, and she succeeds by making a basic pornographic page. When Randy calls OnlyFans support for tips to make his page better, he is told to add trending topics to his channel. When he starts using cred in his videos, he begins getting subscribers. Sharon is concerned that the views come from minors, but Randy refuses to stop. Randy visits an influencer agency. The agent explains how various sponsors bid against each other to have the top social influencers promote their products. The agent send, uh, sends Randy to join other influencers where influences is auctioned off to the highest bidder. During the auction, members of the FBI arrest Randy. When the FBI shows him pornographic images of miners, actual like coal miners, uh, Randy cooperates with the FBI, That's which right. is funny because... The, it's it's just coal miner pictures of coal miners, you know, pickaxes and coal miners, you know, underground in caves and shit with fake dicks hanging out of their pants. It was fucking funny. Yeah, it, was, it, it threw me off because I was not expecting it, and I just was fucking cracking up. I mean, I'm already cracking up the whole time. Randy's fucking, you know, twigging berries are hanging out of his shirt, and he's like showing off to everybody and you know promoting his only fans page and i'm watching this next to madison she's like oh my god what was funny i watched shit with subtitles on so the subtitles are cleverly placed right above it <laughs> every scene every scene cleverly placed right above randy's penis i was sitting, i was sitting here in my room watching it and there's a shot of him like like you know balls out and everything and I look, because my brother's coming into my room to talk to me about something, so I, I look over, I hit A on my controller to pause this, and I'm watching my Xbox. I look back, and it's more of a close-up shot of his dick and balls. And I was like, well, uh -huh. that's just on screen until Jeff leaves my room? <laughs> that's funny. Um, so the FBI shoots the assassin that killed Logan LaDouche. It's the auctioneer, and the real influencers are still a mystery. Everyone returns to South Park, and the kids see Randy, Randy throwing away bottles of cred. Randy explains that children on social media are always being targeted, and they shouldn't be. They should be aware of who wants to influence them the most. Uh, Clyde returns home and accuses Janice of being the unseen influencer in his life. She admits that she wanted Clyde's views so that they could get to know each other, get to know each other better. Cartman butters and tweak. Return to school with limited edition bottles of cred given to them by Randy, and they give a bottle to Clyde. And the other school children rejoice. Yep. Fucking, fucking funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, it pretty goddamn funny. Clever as always. Um, the fucking CVS assault riot with the kids, the fucking truck driver just trying to deliver and the kids trying to climb on the truck and getting in the way and them getting run over and killed and fucking beating each other for the fucking cred. And they're, it's like the entire shipments destroyed with the exception of a handful of bottles that one kid that Cartman accuses of being a poser, poser makes off with. Yeah. That that scene was just funny as hell. Well, the South Park is South Park and and uh, Weird Al were the main reasons that I kept up with all sorts of um, news when it came to most things because, uh, um, I always want to be kind of up to date when when South Park parodies something or makes fun of something, right? So I'm glad yeah. that I knew this thing about Prime. I'm glad that, you know, I know OnlyFans well enough to, to get these jokes. And um, 
I've seen some people on social media not know any of the stuff about Logan Paul and Prime. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of a big thing in the news at the moment, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it was like I said, my only my only gripe with the episode is it was really fucking funny on most things. My only gripe with the episode was certain aspects were a bit on the nose, which is almost too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, like the the influencer that Clyde watches, they call him Logan LaDouche. It's an animated version, South Park version of Logan fucking Paul. Well, I'll argue and I there. Don't, it doesn't look, I, look like Logan Paul. It looks like... Um, well, it looks enough like Logan Paul. No, it, it's like an amalgamation of a bunch of influencers like Logan Paul. Because that uh, okay. puffy vest he was wearing, I've never seen Logan wear that. Then again, I don't watch his videos regularly, but I've never seen Logan wear that. Well, regardless, yeah. it, it was that's who I thought of immediately when I saw the character. Is what I'm saying. Oh, 100. You know, like it's it's um, it's meant to be a Logan Paul parody, and that that's without a doubt. But uh, like I said, it's 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 a small thing that like I noticed and thought about, but other than that, because. The rest of the story is really fucking... My favorite fucking joke was the fucking sniper slash auctioneer arguing with the cop about that sort of thing. And uh, and then he's like, hmm, well, you never catch my life, copper. <laughs> that got... Like, that fucking made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Just the fucking that was cleverly done. Yeah. It was just whole like children are the target of this like but you know you're the parents you should blah 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 you know like a civil debate back and forth in this oh wow you'll never take me in copper he didn't even say that <laughs> it was super casual <laughs> oh i thought it was more like that no he was like he was like well you never take me live copper hmm. <laughs> that's what made me laugh about it because i was like i've never heard anybody say it like that i'm like that's pretty goddamn good <laughs> um oh my god yeah this you got any final thoughts about this episode or no, I, I mean, no, it's I, good. I don't know that I ever want to see that much Randy Marsh Dick again. No, no, but, uh, but it was, it was, it was really funny. Not as funny as their other specials have been. This felt more like it was like, it was done in a couple weeks versus the other ones. Taking I think it was time. because, you know, it was released on Christmas. Or, well, no, Christmas it was released. Week. What? Thursday before. We what when was did we record this, last week? Thursday. Then yeah, Thursday. All right. So it came out on like the twenty first. But regardless, <clears throat> it's it was good. What grade would you give it? Uh, it's a solid B plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I was... the writing the writing's a little weaker um, than than other specials that they've done. Um, but it's still highly entertaining, really fucking funny, um, and it's only forty minutes. Like it's, it was actually, I think it felt shorter than other specials they did. So, yeah, I don't know if it were any shorter, or, but yeah, I think a B plus sounds good. I mean, it was good, it wasn't great, but damn, did I laugh, and I was entertained. So, you know. Just some of the things, like you said, were a little too on the nose. Uh, 
but I'm interested to see how they're going to carry this on with the influencer mystery. I think that's going to be a recurring thing for the next few specials. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Cause it is like one of the bigger things right now to, uh, to see in the news, you know, you see influencers getting in trouble for being, you know, for, for grooming or you see influencers getting in trouble because, you know, they cause charity fraud or you see influencers getting in trouble because of a fucking energy drink. Like there's so much content there that they can kind of riff off of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they got like what? Seven more specials that they agreed to. I'm not sure. That's why I don't know the number either, but that's, but yeah. Well, um, let's, let's talk about the Christmas episode, the Christmas special of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Church on Ruby Road. Yep. And this uh, basically is uh, Shooty Gatwa's first full appearance as the 15th Doctor, alongside Millie Gibson as his new companion, Ruby Sunday. Uh, so the plot uh, Ruby Sunday is an orphan who lives with her kind and caring foster mother Carla and foster grandmother Cherry is interviewed by Davina McCall for a television program that traces its participants' lineage. Ruby was abandoned at a church on Ruby Road, hence her name, and has been trying to find her birth parents ever since. Following the interview, Ruby, as well as Davina, begin experiencing bad luck wherever they go, with the latter seemingly killed by a falling Christmas tree while on the phone with Ruby, letting her know that, unfortunately, we couldn't find any trace of your parents. Sorry. Uh, the 15th doctor arrives and starts to investigate. Carla announces a new foster baby named Lulu Bell and immortalizes the occasion with a photo she hangs on her fridge alongside her 33 other foster children. While Carla steps out for some last minute shopping, Lulu Bell is kidnapped by goblins and Ruby gives chase onto the roof. Uh, she is soon joined by the doctor who with the aid of a pair of intelligent gloves that can bear as much, uh, bear a much greater weight than the user. Sorry, I lost my place. I got an alert and I glanced up to see. With the aid of a pair of intelligent gloves that can bear a much greater weight than the user, uh, is able to get himself and Ruby onto the goblins goblins flying airship. The doctor reveals that goblins are otherworldly beings who feed on coincidence and accidents traveling through time to find babies to eat. A A musical number ensues and a marvelous one at that in which the King Goblin tries to eat Lulu Bell. The pair manage to rescue Lulu Bell and escape, returning to Carla's flat. A freak storm causes a giant crack to appear in the ceiling and Ruby disappears. The doctor sees Carla change into a cold and uncaring woman who's only fostered a few children, resents Cherry, and is only concerned with money. Realizing the goblins went back in time to take Ruby when she was a baby, the doctor pursues them in the TARDIS. The Doctor arrives in the past and witnesses the goblins taking Ruby away. Using the gloves, he pulls the ship onto the church's steeple, impaling the Goblin King and causing the ship to disappear. The Doctor leaves Ruby on the church's doorstep to ensure the parson finds her and sees a woman, presumably Ruby's mother, walking off into the night. 
The doctor returns to the present where he finds everything returned to normal. He informs Ruby about what had happened. He departs in the TARDIS, saving Davina from the falling Christmas tree. The doctor returns, but decides to leave Ruby behind, concluding obliquely that he is a bearer of bad luck. Ruby, however, works out that the doctor is a time traveler and steps into the TARDIS for the first time. And in a mid... uh, in a mid-credits scene after they depart, Ruby's neighbor, Mrs. Flood, in a monologue, reveals prior knowledge of TARDIS travel. And this episode was a lot of damn fun. You know, I, I, the, the musical number, Goblins, that made sense to me, and I loved it, and I was like, give me more Goblin songs in my life. If if they came out tomorrow and were like our main inspiration for that song was Labyrinth with David Bowie, like yeah, yeah, I fucking can tell. I mean, I've never seen Labyrinth, oddly enough. Oh damn! So there's a song in that movie. So so David Bowie plays the Goblin King, not as yeah, I'm aware of that. I was gonna say not as grotesque, but um, he has a song about capturing yes. a baby. Hey. He he has he has a bulge that apparently is talked about to this day in that movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's not his bulge; it's a fucking cod piece he's wearing. But yeah, like literally, it's under his pants. Um, yeah, but uh, there's a song that he has, and that song reminded me so much of the song that was sung by the goblins. Uh, James. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. The, the song was really fucking catchy. A lot of fucking fun. Um, it made sense too. Like, it's not just a musical number out of fucking nowhere. It was very clear to the doctor to point that, like, oh, they kind of communicate through songs. So I'm going to talk in song, and uh, not directly com- or, uh, uh, communicate in song, but that was definitely how they paid attention. Because uh, he was really, you know, talking about the the, the language of the rope, and um, yeah, so it made sense for him to sing briefly to the Goblin King, and then Ruby not knowing what lyric to use at, some, at a certain point was fucking hilarious. Um, I fucking love that. Plus, uh, Chudi's fucking charisma and charm is just out of the out of the fucking park. Um, he when he talks to. Uh, I'm going to say Ruby's grandmother. I know she's adopted and whatnot, but that's, that's Cherry. Yeah. I mean, that's her mom and her grandma. She's legally adopted. Yeah. So it's legally her mother and grandmother. Yeah. She, uh, that, that, that moment where he's talking to her is so fucking charming. I was like, Oh, he oozes charisma. It's like you said, uh, is, uh, and with everybody like, even the cop, you know, who was like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to report this. You, he's like, I'm the doctor. Name, not occupation. Uh, I live in that box. I'm going home now. I was just snowmanned. There, write it up. And, you know, the cop's trying to press him to find more information about him. And he's like, and this is what's great. Um you know, the doctor's always had a great ability to read people. Yeah. And he lets the guy know. He's like, she's going to say yes. And he's like, what are you talking about? And it was just a very charming little moment from him. 
uh, you know, this doctor, I think he's going to be a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching this, uh, this special and I can't wait. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until like May for yeah. the new season. But the, the positive thing is we don't have to download any new apps. We don't have to find a way to watch the BBC feed. It's all going to be on Disney plus the same day. Apparently that's what they said at the announcement. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, cause that's how I was watching Dr. Who back in the day. Like it would, uh, I'd, I'd pirate it. Um, it was up until. I think you said the last time we talked about Dr. Who, it was like the second season of Matt Smith's room. Yeah. It's when it started airing on BBC America and we were watching it there. And then obviously I stopped for a while. So now I'm catching up on Max, but. You know, will all those episodes then come to Disney Plus, which is fine, uh, but uh, this also leads to the question of like, since you know, there's this deal between BBC and Disney to bring Doctor Who to Americans through Disney Plus, is it possible that we get a ride or some attraction of Doctor Who at Disneyland or Disney World? Because that would be rad. Not that I'd ever get to go, but it'd be dope to see it there. Yeah. Because like they have, there's a, there's an attraction that Disney's done in the past where it's something that you walk into and it looks bigger on the inside, you know, sort of thing. Because they have these mirrors set up to where like even if you go from an angle behind the line, you can't see behind the thing. So there's there would be no way to build a TARDIS that you have to walk into is bigger on the inside where like you could just go around the whole thing. I don't think you can do that, but it'd be rad to have a ride or like an attraction where there's a line and the line you have to walk down as you're looking at the TARDIS from that line, no matter how far you lean or whatever, it looks like it's just the, the, the blue box. And then when you finally get to go inside, it's this big area that looks like the inside of the TARDIS. Mm. I think that would be really fucking cool to see. Or a ride, yeah. like a roller coaster ride. That's, that's, uh, like, it's a dark ride, so kind of like the Anna Jones one or something like that, where you come around the corner and there's a fucking, you get to fight the the Daleks, and then you have to fight the Cybermen, and then, like, there's a moment where it's super fucking dark, and then, like, you see Weeping Angels, and then it goes dark again, and then they're in your face. Like, oh my god, the possibilities are endless with Doctor Who ride. Sorry, I get all excited, but. That's fine. It's fine. I would be, you know, I I would be more excited about things like that if I were able to ride rides. <laughs> I'm never allowed to ride amusement park rides again. Because you don't have a leg? I'm an insurance liability, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I'm never, uh, never going to ride a roller coaster again. I always feel like attractions at amusement parks kind of, uh, not established, but uh, sort of established, like the legitimacy of that particular brand. Not that Doctor Who needs it, but no. But anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, what grade did I give it? A plus. You didn't. Oh well. Uh, 
honestly, I can't think of a flaw with it. It was flawless, you know. And I appreciated the Goblin musical number. I'm going to give it an A plus as well. Yeah, it's just fun. Like acted well, just, performed well. The story's fun. It's it's got this just like absolutely fun. I hope, I genuinely hope that going down the road, going in the future of Doctor Who, especially this upcoming season, that we get a more fantasy-based uh, concept on Doctor Who. <clears throat> like, I like the goblin idea. I like that it yeah. was a little fantasy and a little sci-fi, and it just kind of <clears throat> rolled into one. Very, well, steampunky. I suppose. Uh, the pirate ship didn't seem steampunky. Well, the goblin airship is a steampunk idea. And, you know, I've been familiar with ideas of goblin airships for a while now, over 20 years. Uh, and, oddly enough... No, no. But I do know what Steampunk... Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean because it's a, it's it's old fashioned looking, but it's got that sci fi angle, which is arguably steampunk. I totally get where you're going from with that, but steampunk yeah, to yeah. me always kind of has more of um a Victorian looking vibe to it. Mm, I got you. Yeah, I immediately thought of Warcraft three, um, because there's you can hire goblins in that game. Uh, and travel in goblin airships. Uh, so that's why I thought of it. Gotcha. And I associate them also with the dwarves in that game who are very steampunky. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the last thing because we've been going an hour and 25 minutes. I knew it was going to be a longer episode because of this. But that's what yeah, yeah. Which is why we didn't have a discussion topic for today, but that's okay. We did talk a little too long about football, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, we talked too long about Rebel Moon, too. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the newest episode, episode three of Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney+. Plus. It is titled, We Visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. So, we see the episode opens as Percy receives a prophecy from the camp's mummified oracle to make his mission official which appears to confirm that the Master Bolt is with Hades and the Underworld. Chiron informs Percy that the entrance is somewhere in Los Angeles and asks Percy to choose two other, companion, uh, two other campers to accompany him in his quest. Percy chooses Annabeth and Grover. Before leaving, Percy also receives a pair of winged shoes as a gift from Luke. The three leave Camp Half-Blood by bus, and during the trip, Electo, reformed and uh, reformed and still in the line of uh, in the form of Mrs. Dodds, attacks again. They manage to escape and find a garden gnome emporium that serves as Medusa's lair. She tries to convince Percy that she's not a monster, but rather a victim of the whims of the gods, and asks him to betray his friends in exchange for help in saving his mother. Percy refuses and manages to cut off her head after Annabeth uses her invisibility cap on Medusa so she can't petrify them. Percy uses Medusa's head to petrify Electo, who had followed the trio to the Emporium. After disagreements with Annabeth and Grover, 
Percy reveals that the prophecy said that he would be betrayed by a friend and that he had chosen Annabeth because he thought they would never be friends and Grover because he would always be by his side. The three then clarify themselves and Percy decides to send Medusa's head to Olympus, which apparently is on the 600th floor of the Empire State Building using Hermes' courier system. <clears throat> Hermes being played by Lynn Manuel Miranda. What's his name? Lynn Manuel Miranda. That's what I thought. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yeah. I stopped myself right before I said Miranda. I was like, I'm fucking this up. I was kind of surprised to see him. I was like, whoa, hey, what's up, bud? I've seen you. <laughs> well, I knew he was cast in this. I didn't at all. Oh, you didn't? No. You know who else is cast in this? Who? Edge. Oh, I knew that one. I knew that one because like, okay. he, he said it in like an interview before he went to AEW. Like, you know, the next time you guys will see him, it will likely be Percy Jackson because he wasn't sure what he was going to do. Yeah. So I knew that, but uh, yeah, I didn't know that Lynn was in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really cool episode. Really liked uh, how Medusa's like wearing a hat, you know, is, but you can see moving snakes as her hair. Uh, you know, really, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the dynamic between the, between the three kids. You know, I was expecting him. I wasn't expecting him to take Grover with him. I was thinking, well, he's going to take that kid Luke because that's the best sword fighter in the camp. And, you know, I figured he would take what's her face, uh, Annabeth because they don't get along. Uh, but you know, I wasn't expecting Grover, and, it's, and I was nobody else was expecting Grover. Apparently, not even Grover. But Grover's like, "Why did you want to take me?" But the reason that Percy chose him makes sense. I only knew that Grover was going just because of um, the preview. I uh, don't think I watched the preview. It comes up after the episodes, like, at the, at like oh, the maybe I did see the preview and I had just forgotten. Then it's quick flashes of the next episode. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the uh, catacombs down below Medusa's lair. Yeah, she keeps the fucking actual the humans and and other creatures. She. Uh, Petrifies. Petrifies that she doesn't want others to see. I actually googled because I was like, I couldn't remember if in Greek mythology it was possible to reverse Medusa's curse, but uh, no, it's not. No, not, not, no. You get turned to stone, you are dead. Which is wild. It's always funny to me too because you know, like at the end of the episode, they're talking about sending Medusa's head to Mount Olympus to kind of piss off the gods. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, fucking do it. The gods are pieces of shit. I've never watched or read a story that had to do with, with Greek gods and not been like, you all are just fucking giant man children or adult children. Like, it's ridiculous how petty and assholish they all are. Every one of them. Every fucking one of them. There's never a good well- story. <laughs> Who was it they were talking about? Thalia being the daughter of Zeus. She was the one that came with Luke and Annabeth yeah. to Camp Half-Blood. And because she didn't listen to her satyr guide, which turned out to be Grover, 
uh, Zeus turned her into a tree. Yeah. Like, okay, there's one of my kids. And he's like, fuck you, I got hundreds of kids. I'll just make another one. I don't give a shit. Dude, it's You're wild. a tree now. It's wild. Like, if you go with the actual, like, um, stories from, from uh, Greek culture, like, there's never a good one. There's never of, like, oh, yeah, Hades was really cool about this one thing and just kind of let the guy go. It's like, no, they're always punished severely. Some bullshit mm-hmm. happens. It's it's fucking wild, and like I love fucking love when stories that utilize Greek mythology use the use that dynamic, use that that culpability to tell that story. Like there's a game that I fucking love that came out a couple of years ago. They're coming out the sequel here soon, called um, uh, Hades, mm-hmm. and it uses all sorts of Greek mythology. And it's just like the whole story is like. Yeah, the Greek gods are pieces of shit. There was another game that I played not too long ago. Um, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Uh, yeah. That game was also about the gods just being pieces of shit. I love it. I fucking love when they tell when they, they portray the gods as just absolute assholes. And the show, the show's doing a fucking excellent job of that. Is my point, so I'm I'm really fucking digging it. But, um, I'm gonna go ahead and give the episode a solid A. Uh, I don't see a whole lot wrong with it. I do think that the CGI could be refined a little bit. Like the harpies kind of always just look a bit out of place, a bit smoother than the actual film role. Oh, the furies! Furies, not harpies. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, it's 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 solid. Like the kids are great fucking actors. They really are. They really are. I'm very pleased with how good uh, Walker Scoble is the uh, uh, Percy. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised at how good these kids playing a twelve year old. Yeah, he himself is. 14. Well, you know what role um, the kid who's playing Percy Jackson, you know what role kind of helped him get this role? I was just looking at that, actually. Uh, he was in uh, he watched Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool films many times, and it contributed to his ability to mimic Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and he played the young Ryan Reynolds in The Atom Project. Yep. That's yeah. That was the role that helped him get Percy Jackson. The the the, the, the awesome. casting director even said that they were like we had his eye on him because he looked like Percy Jackson when we were writing Percy Jackson and uh, um they called him for casting. They called his agent, which then called him for casting, and they were like, "Yep, we nailed that one." <laughs> but. Well, 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 we are at... Did you give a grade to the episode? Uh, I give it an A. Okay. Uh, I thought it was very well done. I didn't until you mentioned it. I thought it was well done. I'm impressed by these young kids' uh, ability to act. Uh, you know, really enjoying the use of Greek mythology and the fact that gods are dicks. It's not just the Greek ones. Oh, 100%. All of them. 
All of them are dicks. Yeah, it was like Roman, <clears throat> fucking uh, Aztec, fucking Egyptian. It don't matter. They're all assholes. Yeah, yeah. But um, the Christian God. <laughs> Fuck. Let's try to be a little bit less controversial, but you're not wrong. Um, I mean, I don't care. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. It was a big episode. Uh, if you sat through it, congratulations. You did it. Um, it's not that long. We've, we've done longer. Uh, hey, you know what you win? More us next week. Yeah, yeah you do. Uh, next week is going to be episode four of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, and all nine episodes of What If Season 2. Uh, the way that they did it was like ev- uh, an episode... Um, an episode a day starting on the 22nd and ending on the 30th. Uh, we got three episodes left, but that means that we're going to review it next week. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to watch any of it yet because I consumed so much football and other things that I'm probably going to watch Friday and Friday and Monday. I like to catch them every day so far. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. It just helps keep it fresher in my head. I will say. When I watch it closer to One complaint day. you're going to hear from me is I don't like the, the naming scheme of the episodes. Uh, yeah, we've, we we discussed this briefly, and I just I don't remember it being a different way. Uh, I just don't. It but is. that's me, and that's a discussion for another time. Very, like We'll talk about it next week, but very, uh, and I'll bring up a lot of examples. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be those two things next week. I'll, I'll probably have a discussion. I don't fucking know. Four, like nine episodes to discuss one, you know, back to back to back to back to back might take up most of the show. So we'll see. Um, guys, if you want to follow us, follow us on all the socials listed down below. That's where you can see, uh, when new episodes of the show comes out. Um, if you want to support us directly, go to the Teespring store, which is also going to be linked down below. And if you made it this for this far, in the podcast, uh, use discount code AQU15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Uh, that's it for my notes. Maya, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. Uh, give me a follow. Send me a friend request. Hit me up. Message me. We can talk, anything, we, we can talk about anything under the sun. Uh, movies, TV shows, sports, music, video games. You know, I've got a Got a wide uh, knowledge base of a wide variety of topics. You know, I, I like to meet interesting new people. Just don't be creepy. Uh, Greg, where can people find you? You can follow me under Chub Rock Geek on all socials. Uh, a lot of game clips on my Instagram, which is uh, where I'll be uploading most of those from here on out. But honestly, not a ton comes out of fucking Baldur's Gate. So. I don't know how much you guys are going to get, but there's a lot of old school clips on there. So go check that out if that interests you. Um, but yeah, guys, again, uh, Percy Jackson episode four, what if season two, join us next week. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody.